Welcome to the Gentlemen for Liberty podcast, a place for stimulating conversation on the philosophy of liberty and natural law. We aim to promote individualism and self-ownership through productive discourse. With restoring liberty as our ultimate goal, here are your hosts, Derek Wills and John Galt. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Gentlemen for Liberty podcast. My name is Derek Wills, and alongside me is my partner in crime, Mr. John Galt. John, how are you today, sir? I'm very well, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Uh, I am uh, healthy, well. I am ably employed, and, uh, you know, I don't have much to complain about. I mean, I could complain about a lot of things, um, but nothing that's directly interfering on to my life, um, save for, you know, the extortion that comes out of my paycheck and uh, the extortion that comes out of my uh, mortgage and all that fun stuff. But uh, other than that, I don't have any, any real personal complaints. Um, uh, but, but you're doing well, you're doing good. Yes, sir. I, I am, I'm also ably employed. I'm, I'm not one of the, uh, millions of Americans that have experienced the economic terrorism of the state recently. Um, uh, oh, Uh I mean, excuse me, uh, economic shutdown for their safety. Right, right, right. It's for their, it's for their safety. It's only been what, like six months, seven months. I, it, it's 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 hilarious that uh, we're doing all of this for quote safety and uh, and it's cause it's causing so much harm in and of itself because um, I mean you cannot expect people to be forced out of their jobs out of their um, means of provision and expect everything to just be okay. You know, um, and certainly not sending them a $1,200 paycheck uh, bought and paid for by children who have yet to be born. Uh, that's not going to, that's not going to do anything, right? <laughs> no, it's uh, all of those things are negative. Right. <laughs> uh, all, all of those things are negative. What, we, what's the, de- what's the debt clock at right now? I want to, I'm going to take a look at that real quick. Have you checked it lately? It should be right, right, uh, nearing twenty-seven trillion. That's uh, yep. It it just surpassed twenty-seven trillion recently. Right now we're at twenty-seven trillion eleven billion one million. Excellent. That 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 is a uh, making America great again. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you, that's how you MAGA for sure. And in case you're curious, our current unfunded liabilities are uh uh. Over a hundred and fifty-four point seven trillion dollars, exceeding the entire global GDP. That is amazing. That's all well and good. I uh, that's that's wonderful. Those are very um, positive metrics. It 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 if if these were metrics were to be scaled down to a person, and for a person to operate so obsessively in the red, would be considered a financial disaster in the making. And uh, any competent financial advisor would uh, be advising that person to make drastic changes in their life. But when the state does it, it's totally fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. Um, All right. So I want to 
before we get into today's topic, I want to thank our patrons. Um, if you have not, uh, please consider. We ask you, we humbly ask for, for you to consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gentlemen for liberty and helping us support the show. It really means a lot. Um, every supporter that we get helps us spread the seeds of liberty all across the globe. Uh, not only on the podcast platform, but our website will be up and running very soon. Uh, and we will be having blog posts and, and, and things like that uh, posted up there to help further spread the message. So if you could, please go to patreon.com slash gentlemen for liberty and uh, consider support consider supporting the show we, we would greatly appreciate it uh, right now we have two patreon supporters at the moment nikki dozer and ryan Breyer. we thank you very much for joining our patreon and uh, supporting us with uh, with your financial contributions it really means the world to us so uh, thank you very much all right so today's topic is we're going to talk about property and socialism, and basically talk about how socialism cannot coexist in a society rooted in liberty. Is that a fair enough uh, assessment there, John? Yes, sir. Socialism is antithetical to um, freedom and liberty. So, I mean, in its essence, socialism requires the abolition of private property and that's not an exaggeration literally Karl Marx wrote that in the communist manifesto that if communism or its lesser authoritarian brother uh, socialism were to be summed up in a single sentence it would be the abolition of private property so it's not like this is some outlandish propagandized uh, statement that I'm making here. Of course, if you talk to socialists, they literally demonize private property. Why do you think that is, John? I mean, we've we've had discussions with some Marxists before, so. Well, it, it's all rooted in jealousy, envy, covetousness, and 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 the desire to have what they don't have. But I I I, I think to to start this conversation off it must be important to establish what it takes to have socialism. First, in order to have socialism, you must have a state. Right. The idea of a state, the existence of a state, and the functioning of a state requires that you first believe as an individual, as communities, that a group of other individuals, despite not being blessed by a higher entity, or, or, or divine intelligence, or greater alien intelligence, or even a grand, magnificent artificial intelligence, somehow has a greater claim over your life, your property, the fruits of your labor, your home, and your children. Its basic foundation, the basic foundation of statism, is based off of coercive intimidation, violence, extortion, because, again, when did I consent, and what if I don't approve? So here's here's um, here's something that that struck me. I mean, uh, I love your line about 
a group of individuals having a greater say of your life, your property, the lives of your children, um, all of that. Like that is that is a mantra. <laughs> but um, whenever it comes to the socialist or the Marxist or you know the communist, they don't view property as a right. It's interesting. Whenever I have discussions with self-proclaimed socialists or communists, whenever I ask them how they reconcile things like if property doesn't exist, uh, then how do you remedy things like theft or extortion? Because without property, those things don't exist. And when I pose that question to them, uh, usually the conversation deteriorates from there. Well, the conversation deteriorates because you struck at the fundamental core of the flaw of the entire premise. You know, we, I, I recall a conversation I once had with an individual where I challenged him on his position about property. And I said, okay, if you don't own anything, why can't I just take the clothes off your back? And what was his response? Well... He, he presented a very flimsy argument to the effect that um, he needed these things for his survival, particularly because I used the example in my scenario of uh, winter weather mm -hmm. and that the taking, for, uh, taking of this would, would um, potentially expose him to um, uh, health concerns. Right. Because uh, basically, uh, essentially what you're saying is that um, if he has a long sleeve shirt and uh, pants and you have uh, no shirt and shorts, he's now in a superior station than you are because he has more. Uh, he is less affected by the elements than you are, and that puts you in a more destitute spot. So under those types of circumstances, you would think that socialism would allow for you, if he didn't voluntarily give up those things, to help you that you could take them by force. Or have someone else through force take it from him. It, right. Let's not talk about it in the abstract. Let's talk about it in the real world. So yeah. there's, there's a variety of governments that exist in the world that are more socialist than others, and they offer a variety of services to people and in, in, in to include um, health care and free higher education. And again... In order to accept that premise, I would first ask the individual that's born there, I understand this system exists, but when did you consent to it? When did you join this communion? When did this community when when did you become part of this community? It, if, if 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 a group of individuals choose to share, that's a choice. Right. But when there's another group of armed individuals who threaten you with death and imprisonment, to force you to share, that's un, that, that is the height of unethical. And there isn't a scenario where you can make that ethical. Because in order, to make, in order to make that acceptable, you have created an environment that says, I as an individual or, I as, or, or we as a group are comfortable with having our lives threatened to steal from us. It, because here's, here's the key. Let's accept that you don't believe in private property. That you're you're entitled to hold that position is your lack of belief in private property. Does that justify having armed men murder other people to steal from them? 
Now you well, not, you may not believe it's theft. You may not believe it's theft because you may believe that they're not entitled to to claim ownership of these things. But I think the actions of the the I think these people being killed or murdered, depending on how you define it, I I think that that generally is considered a crime in most cultures historically. So it 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 so. You you have to accept that people will be killed in order to enforce this, right? Because what about the people who don't volunteer? What about the or or as I often say, what about the people who didn't consent? Okay, Being so, born is not consent. So I wanna I wanna tread back a little bit over one thing that you had said earlier. Uh, you had brought up the ethics and morality of it and how it's not under any view ethical or moral um now the socialist would argue that it is unethical it is immoral to allow for your neighbor who is destitute to continue living in that state of poverty you know if he goes without basic sustenance he will die uh if he goes without shelter he will die um and if he goes with subpar food, he will be malnourished. If he goes without with subpar uh, housing or shelter, uh, he would he could succumb to the elements. He could succumb to uh, natural predators or or things like that. So the socialist would argue that it is immoral and unethical for somebody who has the means of providing for this individual in such a destitute state. Uh, and not doing so. How do you respond to that? Okay, that's an excellent question. So, in this, in in the state of nature, do things die? Yes. Do the old and infirm die in nature? Yes. Do the young die in nature? Absolutely. Do sometimes the strong and powerful die in nature? Yes. So, nature is not fair or equitable, period. Human beings... Are not part of uh, are not separate from nature. It, the expectation of fairness or equitable uh, or uh, or an equitable equitable treatment or it it, it doesn't exist. Uh, those are human concepts. Mm-hmm. So to, to answer your question, if 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 my neighbor and I'm a I'm, I'm a when we say neighbor, let's assume he's my immediate neighbor and I okay. can see this person. I would say I I would say objectively. I think the sufficient data to suggest that the majority of people would not let their their immediate neighbor die that they can see and witness mm-hmm. when they have the means to help them. True. And and to that, I would say that from the standpoint of the socialist, which I am definitely not, <laughs> I am as far from being a socialist as, po- as humanly possible. Uh, but to their point, I would agree with them that uh, somebody with the means not al- not voluntarily rendering assistance to somebody who is in need. You know, the their mantra of from each according to their ability to each according to their need, I don't subscribe to that because it implies force. But I would say that if you were witnessing somebody slowly dying, starving to death, succumbing to the elements, succumbing to, you know, to natural predators, then that would be unethical and immoral. The problem is that the laws of nature 
do not have anything to do with ethics or morality. And so while it may be unethical and immoral to have somebody who has plenty to sit and watch somebody who is destitute slowly die, that is not something that you can compel him to do under the laws of nature. And the laws of man only put him at risk of succumbing to essentially the same thing, but instead of nature's predators, it's the state's predators. Excellent. Very true. So... the the real issue it is again to to to, to highlight and, and concur with your statement there. It is unethical. It would be unethical to watch your your neighbor, to 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 watch your neighbor suffer when you had the power to assist and help that man. That 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 part I'm 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 not disputing or, or or contesting. The issue is that in order to do what you're proposing from the uh, from the perspective of the socialists, I must ignore the fact that it's unethical to threaten people with death in order to advance my ideology. Because here's the difference. One system requires compulsion. The other system requires no compulsion. Yeah, it's strictly voluntary. So, yes, it would be unethical to watch that man die, but that wouldn't be my fault that he was in that situation. Right. Unless I directly caused, unless I directly caused him to be in that state, Via theft or what have you, I I I am not I am not the uh, impetus for his 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 negative circumstances, right? And that's not to suggest that it's his fault either. No, of being in those circumstances, it may be someone else. It may and, be it, it may be environmental pressures. He maybe he was a farmer and it was a bad season, I, I, I or or some kind of plague uh, affected his crops or or there was a communicable disease. It could just be bad luck, even. I mean, there are an infinite number of reasons as to why somebody would end up in that situation that don't necessarily have to be his fault. It could be his fault. He could have gambled away all of his property because he really liked going and playing blackjack. Um, but that would that would be his fault because he was he was gambling with property that he could not afford to lose and placing himself in such a state. On the flip side of that, um, you know, like you said, he could have been a farmer and for whatever reason, uh, his crop didn't take for whatever for that particular year. And um, let's uh, let's also assume that his stores that he had saved like a good farmer does um, got infested with something or other. Uh, Now, if you really wanted to get into the down and dirty with that you could argue it was his fault because he didn't take all of the precautions necessary to prevent his uh his his reserve stores from getting infested or tainted by whatever reason but i wouldn't even go that far there are some things that you just cannot foresee uh so for the sake of argument i will say that it doesn't necessarily have to be his fault but i want to ask you this question john what is it that makes private property a natural right that is protected by natural law? Well, actually, I, I would actually say that nature demonstrates private property. We, we witnessed the, the concept of property in our closest um, primate relatives, the, the, the demonstration of possession, particularly if that possession is from toil and work. Uh, of course, in the case of the primates, obviously, they're not farming. 
<laughs> um, well, they don't have to farm. I mean, if anybody has read John Locke out there, uh, and I have, uh, John, have you, have you read? Yes. And yeah, you've read. You've read. I've, it would surprise me if you hadn't. Uh, John Locke writes that it, it's not necessarily uh, the tilling of the soil that makes something your property. If something is out in nature, you let's say you're out wandering the wilderness that is completely unowned, and you happen upon an apple tree, just picking the apple is labor. And that transfers ownership from nature to you who picked it. Same, the same as a hunter uh, finding a deer and killing it makes it his because he took it out of nature. Uh, Locke said that any time something is removed from the state nature has put it in, that is the definition of mixing your labor with that and making and thus making it your property. And and that's a and that's a that's an excellent definition. I would well, I would challenge uh, anyone listening to to review the works of John Locke. Um, yeah, that's from the Second Treatise of Government, by the way. Locke has a way with words, being a you know seventeenth century uh, philosopher, but it really is quite enlightening. I, I would highly recommend it. But to your point about primates, simply gathering berries makes it, you know, would make it his property by work. I think actually, what's funny about the the argument again about property is we we become fixated on what gives you the right to property and less fixated on what gives a group of people the right to threaten you with violence to take it be, because it, it it would be it, it, it we could say it wasn't property we could say we could say that you didn't own it and that nature owned it let's say nature owned it because obviously a man can't own it if a man can't own it then nature must own it what would give me the right to threaten you with death to take it from you? And we can get into that, but I really want to explore uh, why, you know, to answer, or I guess to rebut the socialist philosophy that private property doesn't exist. I want to establish firmly what it is that does make private property a very real thing and protected by the laws of nature. So in essence, private property is the tangible representation of the fruits of one's labor. So if somebody is has the authority to take away their private property, they are taking, they're stealing away from them their the fruits of their labor, which is essentially slavery, right? And you can uh, you can essentially use the early American slavery model as proof of this. Right? So uh you either had people that were sold into slavery uh, from the African slave trade or outright kidnapped from their home countries and brought over here in order to force them into labor. Now, because there was no consensual contract of the slaves exchanging X amount of labor for Y wage, then effectively the slave owners were stealing the fruits of the slaves' labor. Rightfully, under the laws of nature, all of the crops that the slaves produced would be rightfully theirs because no contract exists. Um, so, ergo, if if outright taking the fruits of the slaves' labor 
is the definition of slavery, then certainly taking a portion thereof constitutes the same thing, to a lesser degree for sure, but it is still the definition of slavery. So my thoughts are essentially this, that socialism requires the existence of slavery, because regardless of your amount of effort, the fruits of your labor are extorted from you and redistributed to the rest of the collective, uh, regardless of their amount of labor input. Or your consent, but... (laughs) Or your consent, right. So, actually, I I think, you you know, highlighting... um focusing on property is, is actually a, a very excellent example. And, and that analogy with the slaves is, is a perfect visualization, I, I believe. But I, I can, I, I'll give you one even more, uh, even more fundamental example of that in nature. Animals demonstrate possession and property constantly. So, when, so uh, let's take a lion pride. A lion, a male lion, will claim territory that's taking possession he will claim territory and he will patrol that territory and he will he will urinate all over the borders to establish that this is his territory so that anyone who comes in and particularly any other lions will become be aware that this is claimed territory animals right. claim land animals right. claim hunting territory a lion pride claims territory they claim that this is our lo- this is our land essentially, and that we are the only ones that are allowed to hunt here. And if you're found in our territory, you might experience violence. So this right. idea that like this idea that we invented private property is really hilarious because no animals demonstrate possession constantly. You know that is a fantastic point. I saw an article uh, recently. They had tra- uh, put trackers in. I want to say about. 10 alpha wolves in various, I, I want to say it was in regions of Texas and they monitored their GPS locations and it was fascinating. They mapped it out and there are clearly established borders for where they patrol. They never cross over into another wolves uh, territory. And the thing is like all of these wolves that were tracked their territories bordered each other, and they never crossed those lines. They were like, okay, this is, this is no longer mine. These are no longer my hunting grounds. And because they are hunting, I alluded to the hunter earlier who uh, has rightful claim over, the, over his kill because he labored that. To say that this applies to the wolf is exactly the same thing, except... He's working the entire plot of land as a means of sustenance, no different than a farmer working his entire plot of land to grow crops. So that would make his entire farm his property, that land his property. The wolf patrolling that, his only means of food is hunting. Well, he established his borders, he works that entire property, and hunts there for sustenance. For him and his pack. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've just proven the point that private property is natural. Well, nature would seem to agree, but <laughs> right. I, I mean, obviously, as a as a human philosopher, I, I could just denounce the existence of it um, for ideological reasons. But 
uh, animals animals demonstrate a clear uh, um, behavior towards possession. And now, now to be clear, those animals, like when I highlighted the lions, the territory is claimed, and what's in the territory is shared. No, for sure. Uh, amongst what is a family, they're a family. Right, <laughs> right. And, you know, the, the thing is, like, it's voluntary. So there's no compulsion that is required in this form of sharing. So let's take, for instance, let's, let's say that you have a, um, a society of 15, 20 people, and they all are in agreement that they want to establish this communistic type of community where all of the, the fruits of one's labor are shared. If they are all voluntarily engaged in that and they voluntarily agree to that um you know you could say that this is communism quote-unquote working but in fact i would venture to say i mean and this might be a stretch uh, but i would venture to say that this is actually capitalism working because i mean what what is capitalism but the voluntary exchange of of property um and with your labor technically being your property uh, you voluntarily exchanging that to somebody else or voluntarily surrendering that to somebody else uh, would be the, you know, a, a voluntary exchange, which would be capitalism, would it not? Or or am I or am I stretching here, John? Um, I, I don't I don't know if I, I, don't, I, don't, I, 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 I prefer to look at that, the, the scenario you described as communist communally sharing. And that's perfectly fine. Now, obviously, when they produced the product, we could say a capital was produced. But the uh, the equitable sharing of that which is produced is 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 voluntary, and they agreed to it. So that it, it it's a great communist model. Uh, the <laughs> the 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 issue is what if what if an individual decided, you know. I, I I'm gonna just produce my own goods, and you guys don't have to share with me. But I'm a I'm gonna produce my own stuff, and I'm not gonna share with you. Right. Well, you know, that's a fair that's a fair counterpoint to 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 my point. Um, but voluntarism and capitalism have a have a share a lot of commonalities, to be sure. Yes. Um. One of the fundamental aspects of capitalism as an economic system is uh, free trade. Right. So, and, and free yeah. trade means voluntary trade. Yeah, voluntary exchange. So, so if you and that's what makes in in the modern sense, um, you know, you you purchase a home, for instance. So you have labored. You have voluntarily exchanged your labor with an employer for a particular wage, or maybe you created your own business and labored that in order to generate a currency, a profit. So that is your labor. You then voluntarily exchanged the fruits of that labor for another asset or contracted to have the it built into another asset, however you want it. But it's, it's a voluntary exchange. Um, and then your subsequent living in your homestead, mowing your grass, uh, making your food, those that's all laboring on that property, therefore continuing to make it yours. Um, and in the cases of abandoned property, I mean, 
even society, current state of society's laws have uh, a means by which a ma- abandoned property can be claimed by somebody else without any exchange of property. And the laws of nature reflect that as well. If if a piece of property is laying waste that was once claimed, um, somebody wa- happens upon it, sees that it's clearly laid to waste, well, they have a rightful claim to it because now it's unowned. It is effectively returned to nature, right? It is. It, it's, it's exactly um, as if the animals had moved on and were hunting in another location. Yeah. So and they were it, they were they weren't claiming that territory. The male lion wasn't patrolling the borders. He wasn't urinating everywhere. He, uh, he, 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 the the pride no wasn't any longer claiming that location. Yeah. So, and and that same example, a person wasn't any longer claiming that location. This 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 idea of the this idea of attacking the reason why attacking property rights is so essential is because. As, as as a prerequisite for the theft, I have to establish that I'm not stealing because you can't right. own because you can't own property, right? Which of course, which, which goes to my point earlier: if you don't have property, how can you uh, enforce laws against theft? How can you define theft? How can you establish theft is a thing? Extortion is a thing. Well, you you, you can't. Um, but you, you, you can, you can use, I, you can, you could use ideas such as, oh, it's owned by the community or the group. Mm. And so it, here, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go, no, ahead. Go, no, okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. If you insist, sir. Um, so here's an interesting question from the socialist standpoint, assume they make a socialist society that is purely voluntary it would, not could, it would be argued that if one person is, I guess, affluent by uh, by comparison, and he does not contribute to everything, yet does receive, because it's voluntary, he doesn't contribute. He chooses not to contribute, but because he doesn't, he he's still receiving. The socialist would say... He is stealing from the community. How would you respond to that? Well, how can I how can I steal from that which is voluntarily contributed? Mm. See, no, uh, no property, no theft. And but the thing is, that's what uh, that's what the socialist would use as justification for using force and violence against that individual. Uh, because if if he is not in receipt of anything that the community otherwise produces, then he's not effectively part of the community. He's just living on his own. And if his homestead happens to be smack dab in the middle of this community, well, that will cause problems for them. Because now they have to look at this eyesore of a, of a person and his property who doesn't contribute and also may or may not receive anything. Uh, it would just be a, a burden for everybody else to to witness. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it would. You know what this really? You know what this really honestly comes down to? What's that? Is a desire to push your values onto other people? Isn't that effectively what 
all forms of statism are. No, it, it is, but it's it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic where one person ascribes the moral ethical good for all humanity or a group of individuals, and then they say you must comply with this even if you didn't consent, even if you didn't agree. And then they and then they create this 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 concept where they say the values you hold are not the values we hold. And and they justify their actions by labeling you as a uh immoral evil person, which again is those <laughs> I'm not harming anyone, but you'll just ascribe that you the some some evil that I've committed and then they and then they use force and violence to 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 force you either to comply, or they just or, or they murder you and just flat out take it. In, anytime in th- this is this is one of the beauties of of being a, I guess anarcho capitalist or libertarian. I don't believe that I have the right to tell you how to live your life, and 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 I don't have and I don't have the right to bring violence to you as a means to force you to live my my view of how you should live. It, it, and it's such a bizarre situation when you literally are literally talking to a person that for some reason he or she is convinced in their own mind that it's ethical to steal from other people. Even again, right. even eliminating the, pro- I said this at the beginning, let's eliminate property. Let's eliminate property rights off the equation why would you say it's okay to threaten someone with violence, imprisonment, and death to take something? Why would you why would you even hold that as an ethical position? Because the entire position you're trying to your your society is predicated based off the idea that you believe in some values. Right. Because you're saying that it's on you you know the it's basically it, it's unethical for a person to amass huge sums of wealth when when there are those that are poor. Okay, there let's will accept the be. premise. I, I know they'll always be poor, but the, let's let's accept the premise. Let's accept the premise that it's unethical for people to amass huge sums of wealth um, while poor people exist. First off, let's address one point. This is based off the um, a limited wealth theory, which of course is completely debunked because. Obviously, if if wealth was finite, if wealth was finite, how would we be able to address address the fact that in every one of these countries that we would reference, the population has gone up um, tenfold, and and somehow there's wealth additional wealth is created to cover those people because and the reason why is because people the the, the new people generate productivity which generates wealth anyway. But what I'm saying is. Let's accept that Jeff Bezos being wealthy is unethical. Let's just say that it's unethical. That's unethical, but it's not unethical to steal. It again, let's assume let's say you can't let's say you can't steal because he technically can't own it and he um but how did he steal it, of course, if he can't own it? So but anyway, let let's let's not address that. Let's say he owns it but doesn't own it and that he stole it. Why is it ethical to hire a group of thugs to shoot him and take it? <laughs> right. Now, it, it, well, it, you, we still didn't answer that question. Why is it ethical to hire a group of thugs to shoot him and take it? Usually, the uh, the rebut to that is just simply kind of glossed over as he can afford it. 
you know, if you were to divvy up his wealth uh, to all of those below the poverty line, uh, then he would be giving up X amount and he would still be just fine. That's usually the their default go-to. And the death sentence is goes unacknowledged because because it's not necessary. The threat of violence is usually want, uh, enough to make somebody comply. So let's just baseline it as stealing. We'll 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 assume compliance by compulsion. It's still stealing. It's not really compliance. It's, it, right. It's it's not because uh, I'm not really consenting. I'm fearing <laughs> for injury to self. Or, you know what's or, interesting? I got a I got a quick side tangent. Um, socialists are usually very pro-union, like labor union, because they, Marx's entire philosophy was based on, um, quote-unquote, the exploited laborer. So they understand the concept of labor, and they understand that laborers do contribute greatly to production, but they don't seem to understand how property ties into that. You know, they seem to, they have this weird view, like the reason that people like Jeff Bezos are stealing is because they hired these laborers who produced this that he now claims. They leave out the part where they voluntarily agreed to be under his employ for a mutually agreed upon wage which absolves them from their specific production. So if they go to make a book, they've absolved the right to claim that book as their property because they already voluntarily agreed to do this particular labor in exchange for this amount of wage. Yet all of that aside, they don't they cannot grasp the concept of somebody creating a business that grows into a multi-billion dollar, maybe even a trillion dollar empire as belonging to the one person who founded it and later hired people to help grow it. Nobody is suggesting, Even I don't care who you are, I don't care how capitalist you are, no one is suggesting that workers at Amazon are not responsible for... Amazon's growth and how big of a company they are, surely. But they're only there because Bezos's leadership and uh, seizing of opportunity and uh, business savvy dictated all of that labor to do these things. That's what it means to run a business. So, abs- and the thing is, like, the laborers aren't producing property that he is hoarding. It's not like they're making books and he's putting them all in his private library. He's selling them to people. I don't know. It's weird side tangent, I know. So, but it's it's an no, interesting... It's not weird. It, it It's in line with, I mean, our discussion. Ultimately, it, it comes down... It, it, it comes back to this, as I said at the beginning. In order to implement what you want to implement... It requires force. The requiring of force, what regardless of whether we call it uh, espouse the values to say that property exists or that property rights exist, I should say. If if something if you are forced 
to do something against your will and without your consent, the entire process is tainted and is corrupt and immoral and evil. So if a group of individuals come together and collectively, communally decide to share, that is fine. But if a group of individuals come together, form a government, and then go around pointing guns at people saying, hey, you have to surrender the fruits of your labor. Why? Because you don't have private property. Says who? Us. Based off what? Well, you know, we've embraced these ideas and philosophies. You're going to have to communally share that in a, in, at, a, at the center of town uh, or, or, you know, we're going to transfer your money to a central location and then we will divvy it up as, as, as to each, you know, according to their needs. But I, I don't want to. Well, you have to. But why do I have to? Because we said so. But what gave you the authority to say that? It's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because in order to be an anarcho-capitalist, I don't have to believe I have to have a claim over anything. I don't right. have to threaten anyone with force. Right. I don't have to force anyone to do anything. What you believe requires that you force someone to do something. And, 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 then, and then for you to smugly hold that position as if you're the moral superior. Right. It's like, well, I only threaten people with violence, death, and imprisonment. Um, well, we didn't really steal because, you know, we, we're not acknowledging property rights. And, and it would be immoral for them to have something that others don't have. But it's moral to threaten them? I don't understand how we can say it's moral to threaten people with violence and then at the same time say it's immoral for, for that person not to share. You can't right one wrong with another immoral action. It, it is hypocritical on its face. It, it, and again, in order for it to function on a large scale requires a state. Yeah. It, e- now, even and by a large scale, I would assume you mean on a scale of more than 50 people. <laughs> well, well, a scale more than a, a, a smaller community, usually a, a family. Right. But the idea that this, the idea it, it's antithetical to nature, it's antithetical to human behavior. It, you, you, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. And the only way it works is to have a violent, a violent enforcement mechanism to make it work. And the moment there's a violent enforcement mechanism, the moment people do not consent, the mo- moment people do not um, enter into any contract or agreement is the moment that it completely falls, uh, it, it collapses on its face as a, as, a, as, a, as a solid ethical foundation for how to interact with people. If the rest is the state that we interact under, then our interaction is forced and compelled, period. Yeah. If after listening to this, somebody still thinks that they, I mean, it, it, let, me, let me rephrase. If, uh, if you are listening to this and you are of the socialist mindset, I'm going to give you an open invitation to come on our show, and we'll have a discussion. We will be as civil as possible. Um, there is no need for name-calling and anger. I mean, uh, John and I, we have conversations with people with whom we disagree constantly. Um, the gentleman that he referenced earlier, uh, that is actually, uh, I consider this gentleman to be a pretty good friend of mine, actually. And he's a full-on, self-labeled Marxist. Uh, so, if, you're, if you are a socialist, I'm going to invite you on, and I want to have a discussion with you. John, you'd be down with it for a discussion, right? In the spirit of... Uh, of, 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 of the free exchange of ideas. I always welcome. 
Um, uh, I always welcome an open channel of communication, even with those that I disagree with, because it's always possible that you may learn something. It's always possible they may learn something. You may evolve your position. They may evolve their position. Yeah, it, it's incredibly arrogant for one to believe that they possess all of the knowledge in the world for their conclusions. Um, you know, I just in my philosophical journey throughout life, you know, I started off as a hardcore Republican, then I became a libertarian, then I became a minarchist, and now I'm an anarcho-capitalist. And all of that is because of the free exchange of ideas and um, and being receptive to things. Uh, something that presents new data, new uh, information for me to process, you know, then I change my conclusions based on that. So, you know, I would uh, absolutely, I, I welcome anybody, particularly if you're if you're an anarcho-socialist or anarcho-communist. I, uh, your philosophy really really intrigues me, uh, and I would like to have a conversation with you. If you if you want if you want our email address, shoot us an email. It's gents the number four liberty at protonmail.com. I'll even put a I'll even put it in the show notes for ease of use. If if you are a socialist or communist or anarcho communist, by all means shoot us an email and we'll uh, we'll we'll open invitation to come on the show and, and discuss philosophy with us. Um John, do you have anything else before we wrap up and close? I do not, sir. I do not. Alright. It was a good discussion today. I, I really enjoyed this. Anyway, John, it is that time. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you wouldn't mind joining us, lifting whichever beverage you are currently consuming, uh, scotch, water, Coke, whichever, even if you don't have a drink, pantomiming with us, we raise our glasses and we toast for liberty. For liberty. You've been listening to the Gentleman for Liberty podcast. Join us at patreon.com slash gentlemen for liberty to show your support. Patrons get access to bonus content, can suggest show topics, and more. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at gentlemen for liberty and on Twitter at gents the number four liberty. Be sure to check out our blog, gentlemenforliberty.com, and sign up with your email address for updates. Please rate our podcast in your app, and until next time, we raise our glasses to you for liberty. This has been a Gentleman for Liberty production, hosted by Derek Wills and John Galt. Copyright Gentleman for Liberty 2020.